Welcome to your go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it? Gaming? Wait for it? Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Wait For It Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. Happy Spooktober. At the time of this episode coming out, we are less than a week away from Halloween. Of course, one of my favorite times of the year. And I am super excited to be returning to this series. It's absolutely one of my favorite solo series that I get to do. If you are brand new to the show, welcome to the Wait For It Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're not necessarily looking for anything on the spooky side, don't worry. Make sure to check out the rest of our library, and I promise there is something here for everybody. For any returning listeners, welcome back. It is so good to have you here, and again, thank you so much for all of the support. If you're not familiar with the Amity Phil Horror, it is one of my solo series that I get to do in which I get to dive into the creepier side of things, and I always have a whole lot of fun For this month's episode, I wanted to try something a little different. I want to start getting better at narrating stories, so I'm going to be reading you some of the most disturbing short stories that I was able to find on the internet. Now, some of these are creepypastas, some of these are just standard short stories, and these are all stories that legitimately gave me goosebumps. I actually had to take a little bit of a break while I was researching these just to kind of step back and clear my head a little bit. I also want to mention that I do not own the rights to any of these stories, and the sources will be listed in the show notes. So with that being said, let's get into the October edition of the Amity Phil Horror. This first story is titled, Roommate Troubles. This actually happened to me a few years back at the University of Arts in Philadelphia. My sophomore year, I roomed with a girl named Kara. She was a jazz vocalist, but her main interest was opera. We had a small room on the sixth floor of a dormitory called Juniper Hall, The walls were thin, and her late-night singing and voice practices would keep me up late. After a month or so of lost sleep, I convinced her to move her late-night practices to the music studios in the Merriam Theater building a block away. Around 8 p.m. one evening, Kara announced that she would be practicing late for an upcoming recital and probably wouldn't be home until around midnight. Great, I thought. That means I can go to bed early. I was beat. I had a horrible day in the acting studio and was ready to pass out as soon as I had dinner. She said goodnight and left, coffee and sheet music in her hand. I made some grilled cheese and soup, gobbled it down, and immediately began to prepare for bed. By the time I got out of the shower, my eyelids were so heavy I could hardly brush my teeth. I pulled on my PJs and crawled into the top bunk of our bed. I was out as soon as my head hit the pillow. I should take a second to describe the layout of our apartment. When entering the apartment, the bedroom was a door immediately to the left. Our bathroom was inside the bedroom, just past the bunk beds. UArts is nice in the sense that you don't have to share bathrooms. Anyway, I woke up to the sound of the apartment door closing. I opened my eyes groggily and checked my phone. Midnight on the dot. I rolled back over and closed my eyes. I heard Kara enter the room and stop in front of the bunk bed, checking to see if I'm actually asleep, I thought. She flopped down on the bed below me, which was strange, as she was a stickler for brushing her teeth and washing up before bed. Then again, exams were just around the corner, and we were all exhausted. The mattress below me creaked and then was silent. I couldn't even hear her breathing. I started to drift off again. I was just on the edge of deep sleep when I was startled awake again by a noise. A key in the lock. 
the door opening, and Kara entering our apartment humming an opera tune. The mattress below me creaked. This next story is titled, Kids in the Dark. Growing up poor in the Deep South meant sharing a lot with my little brother, Ollie. Most often, we'd pass toys, clothes, and skin conditions between us. Up until he was six, we even shared a bed, and neither of us was happy about that. It was my 10th birthday when that changed. I got one present that year. It was a bed of my own. Ollie, of course, was a little jealous right away, and I could understand why. He had to keep that half-broken-down frame with the worn-out mattress... Now, the one I got wasn't much better, but not being broken and worn was enough. Sleeping apart was a great feeling. It was freedom. No longer would I have to suffer the sudden and inexplicable kicks to the stomach. No longer would I wake up with Ollie's foot pressed into my neck like he'd stepped on Dracula the night before. At least, that's what I thought. Right away after I got the new bed, the shriek started. At first, I thought Ollie woke up in the middle of the night and screamed because he had gotten scared. Then the sound echoed through the tiny room again, and I knew it wasn't a normal cry. The room was always pitch black after sunset. The one window we had was pressed against a longleaf pine, and even the biggest, brightest moon cast no light inside. The shriek just about drove me crazy. Every night, probably at the exact same time, these sharp yelps would knock me right out of my dreams. It wasn't my mom or dad yelling either. I knew what that sounded like, believe me. Most worrying of all was the fact that I could never tell where it was coming from. It seemed completely random. One night, it'd come from somewhere near the closet. The next, it'd shoot out from the corner of a ceiling. Any hope I'd had of having my own space would get dashed every time as Ollie would silently slip into the bed with me, shaking like crazy. He'd clasp onto me and wouldn't let go until it was almost daybreak. Most times, I'd take his hand and tell him everything was going to be okay and that it'd be over by morning, but I was never really sure. Over time, the shriek started changing. At first, it was only by small degrees but eventually it took out the primal hooting sound of a primate calling out its fierce warning. I had to clasp pillows to my ears just to keep from going deaf. Mom and Dad, of course, never believed me or Ollie, basically because the thing, whatever it was, refused to make a peep when they were in the room. Apparently they couldn't even hear it through the walls even though it was damned sure loud enough. The shriek just got worse and worse until I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. Me and Ollie were doing really bad in school and we just had no energy at all. I could sleep more deeply with my head propped up and eyes open in the middle of class than I could in my own room. Then, thankfully, we moved out of the house nearly a year later. I had contemplated all sorts of things, even a child's clumsy concept of suicide, to get away from the horrific nightly noise. There was no problem at the next house. It was a nice, white, cookie-cutter home on a dead-end street, and I welcomed the normalcy. What's more, when we moved in there was a bunk bed waiting for me and Ollie. No more broken bed, no more second bed I ended up having to share anyway. The only problem was deciding who'd get the top bunk. I told Ollie I deserved it. After all, I had gotten a new bed way back, and he ruined it by climbing in every night. What? He shook his head. I never did that. I had always wondered why the noise stopped the second I was sharing my bed. Now I had the answer. This next story is titled, It Started as a Leak. The rainy season began in early summer, and June had been no exception. It did not surprise the man when he discovered rainwater dripping from his dining room ceiling. Striking it off, he placed a tall pot beneath the leak and expected it to stop on its own. However, it continued to rain, and before he knew it, the pot would threaten to overflow. He had to dump the water out first thing in the morning and straight after he returned home from work. Eventually, he began to notice water damage at the source of the leak. The white ceiling had discolored, turning a dull shade of brown. He checked the weather and realized that it would continue to rain sporadically over the next 10 days. 
The man was worried about the ceiling mildewing and becoming an expensive repair, so he called a local handyman. Unfortunately, the man could not sign to have the repairs done, only his landlord could, which was a frustrating policy. The man called his landlord but could not reach him. He left him a few voicemails detailing how the damage was becoming progressively worse. The man was clueless as to why his landlord would not return his calls. They usually kept in touch, speaking at least twice a month. Finally, he reasoned that he would not be held accountable for any damages sustained. One night, the man was startled awake by a massive thump. He quickly turned on his bedside lamp, and just vaguely, he could see an overturned table and a large shape laying across it. He sprinted out of the apartment and called the police, gagging at the smell. The man sat in the police station with a blanket wrapped around his shoulders and a coffee mug resting in his hands. He did know one thing. There had been a dead body in his ceiling, and the water had saturated it so badly that it caved under the weight. So far, the body was unidentifiable due to the rainwater and was being autopsied. While the man waited, he called his landlord and finally reached him, panicking as he explained the situation. His landlord was just as alarmed, and the man pleaded with him to come to the station while he made a statement. The man paused as the detective crossed over to him, and he lowered his phone, wondering if the body had been identified. His blood immediately ran cold, and he shook his head with terror. The body belonged to Richard Thompson, his landlord, and he had died over a year ago. But that's not what disturbed him most. If his landlord was dead, then who was pretending to be him? This next story is titled, I Sat on the Bus. I sat on the bus on my way to school, listening to music and paying little to no attention to the other students. At one of the stops, my mind snapped back to reality. I looked towards the small house. Tommy's house, I thought. A hand slipped through the drapes of the window and waved the bus driver to move on. He's sick, I thought, paying no large amount of attention to the situation. The day flew by. I watched the local news channel after school, and what I heard paralyzed me. Tommy's entire family was murdered that day by an unknown suspect. After hearing this news, I moved back up to my room and quietly fell asleep. The next day, I sat on the bus. We drove past Tommy's house, and the bus driver, unaware of Tommy's family's fate, stopped at his home. As I was about to get up and explain to her what had happened, something caught my eye. A pale hand slipped the drapes of the window and waved the bus driver to move on. I sat on the bus, terrified. This next story is titled, Seaweed. My grandmother grew up in the slums of Prohibition-era Chicago. Her family lived in a small house near the harbor, and one of her earliest memories was of a particularly hot summer when, seeking respite from the heat, she and her sister discovered a seldom-used section of boardwalk near an abandoned warehouse. Every night, for several weeks, the two girls would make their way down to the docks and sit together on the edge of the pier as the sun went down. My grandmother vividly, and for a time fondly, recalled the feel of the seaweed between her toes as she and her sister dangled their feet into the murky water. It wasn't until years later that she returned to the pier and found that the warehouse had been demolished. Curious, she made an inquiry with the Department of Planning and Development. Apparently, the warehouse had been owned for a time by the mob, who was using it as a base of operations for a local prostitution racket. It had only been uncovered when an associate began disposing of rival hookers by fitting them with concrete shoes and dumping them into the harbor. Investigating officers had recovered nearly two dozen bodies from the waters of a secluded pier nearby. How had the bodies been discovered? A passing fisherman spotted some of the victim's hair floating near the surface of the water, like seaweed. This next story is titled, The Portraits. There was a hunter in the woods who, after a long day hunting, was in the middle of an immense forest. 
It was getting dark, and having lost his bearings, he decided to head in one direction until he was clear of the increasingly oppressive foliage. After what seemed like hours, he came across a cabin in a small clearing. Realizing how dark it had grown, he decided to see if he could stay there for the night. He approached and found the door ajar. Nobody was inside. The hunter flopped down on the single bed, deciding to explain himself to the owner in the morning. As he looked around the inside of the cabin, he was surprised to find the walls adorned by several portraits, all painted in incredible detail. Without exception, they appeared to be staring down at him, their features twisted into looks of hatred and malice. Staring back, he grew increasingly uncomfortable. Making a concerted effort to ignore the many hateful faces, he turned to face the wall, and exhausted, he fell into a restless sleep. The next morning, the hunter awoke. He turned blinking in unexpected sunlight. Looking up, he discovered that the cabin had no portraits, only windows. And the last story I'll be reading is titled, Baseball. There were two twin brothers named Ricky and Bobby who enjoyed playing baseball. Ricky was always the pitcher, and Bobby was always the second baseman. One day, they were sitting on the couch when Ricky wondered aloud, Do you think they play baseball in heaven? I don't know, replied Bobby. Is there a way to find out? asked Ricky. I have an idea, replied Bobby. How about if one of us ever dies, he has to come back and tell the other if there's baseball in heaven? Okay, it's a deal, Ricky agreed. A few days later, Ricky was cycling down the road when he was hit by a car. He died on the way to the hospital. Bobby went to the funeral and cried for days. A week later, he was visited by the ghost of his dead brother. Have you come to tell me if they play baseball in heaven? Bobby asked. Well, I have good news and bad news, said Ricky. The good news is that they do play baseball in heaven. The bad news is that you're scheduled to pitch tomorrow. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed those stories. I wanted to end on kind of a funny, lighthearted one. I want to possibly try my hand at narrating in the future, so I appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity to try that. If you have any constructed criticism, I would greatly appreciate it. So feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O on Twitter or Instagram. I thank you all so much for joining me on another episode of the Amity Phil Horror. It's possible that I will actually have another episode of the Amity Phil Horror coming up in November. I'm just waiting to see if some very exciting developments come together. But for now, I just want to remind you, you can find us on any major podcasting platforms. If you find yourself listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a huge favor and leave us a five-star review. It's one of the best ways you can support the show. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at Wait For It Podcast and on Twitter at Wait For It Pod. This Wednesday's episode will be the October edition of What Did I Miss? And you definitely are going to want to check that out because the month of October was jam-packed full of entertainment news. As far as recent episodes, make sure to check out Eric and I's discussions about Squid Game and the My Villain Academia arc on My Hero. I hope you all have a safe and happy Halloween. Thank you so much for joining me. Don't forget, we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. And all you have to do is wait for it. So, I heard you're looking for a go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it? Gaming? Wait for it? Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast.